Knowledge is power, and we are all about empowering the mamas of the world. In each episode, we will unravel and interpret the latest research and evidence-based practices for pregnancy, postpartum, and motherhood. As mums and researchers ourselves, we have experienced firsthand the overwhelming complexity of information, myths, and those classic old wives' tales. I'm Dr. Renee White. And I'm Dr. Mika Petucci. And, and this, this is, is The Science of Motherhood. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Science of Motherhood. Now, we are back for 2022. Oh, hope everyone has had a wonderful break and you've got your kids back at school, which has just been amazing. Both Mika and myself have got our girls in kinder now, so we've got a little bit more extra time to do some fun things like our podcast and looking after mamas. Today, we have got a lovely interview with our resident nutritionist, Dr. Stephanie Perotta. Now, we recorded this on an Instagram live in January this year, and Steph and I wanted to sit down and talk about how and what to eat during pregnancy so you can set yourself up for a positive postpartum recovery. And the reason we wanted to do this because... There's such a huge focus on, you know, the things that you should and should not eat during pregnancy. And then once baby's out, it seems to be like we cut that umbilical cord and there goes our education around health and self-care and nutrition. And everyone knows that we are all about postpartum care here at Fill Your Cup. And so what I wanted to do was sit down with Steph and have a chat about what are the top five micronutrients that we are typically depleted in as mamas going into our postpartum because our beautiful babies have essentially taken all of that energy and nourishment out of us whilst we are growing and fueling their body. And how we are going to recover from that and what are the types of foods that we should be looking for. We all know that we need to fuel our body, but we need to be choosing beautiful, nourishing, replenishing food over something like peanut butter toast three times a day. So this is a great podcast. Get your pen and paper ready. We're going to be talking about some beautiful recipes that you can be cooking up this week, or you could be outsourcing, outsource. (laughs) If you're a new mama, outsource, 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 or get a meal train going, get people cooking for you and leaving those meals in an esky at the front door and sending you a text message. Steph does a really great job of talking about what foods we should pair as well, because we want to get our bang for our buck. You know, this certain things that could be paired together where they kind of have a synergistic effect. And so you're getting more nourishment out of those micronutrients that you're, that you're eating and consuming. So I hope you enjoy this episode. And what we didn't know at the time was that the audio wasn't really syncing and it was a bit glitchy. So We have done our very, very best. We, as in our wonderful podcast editor, Jono, has done his very, very best 
to piece together the audio for this podcast episode. Now, if it's not your cup of tea, please fast forward. We apologize in advance, but there is some really, really valuable information in this episode with Steph and me. Hello, everyone. We are live and we are going to be talking about what to eat during your pregnancy to set you up for the best postpartum. We are all about postpartum here and we have a wonderful guest joining us today, which is our lovely <laughs> FYC recruited nutritionist, Dr. Stephanie Parata. Hello. How are you? I'm really good. I'm really good. So I've just kind of said to everyone that today we're going to be chatting about getting ready for postpartum. So what to eat during pregnancy to kind of set you up for that best postpartum life. For all those playing at home, Steph has been on our podcast, The Science of Motherhood, twice now. I think you're the person who's come back for a second round. We've got a few... (laughs) Guests coming in 2022, coming back for a second second turn in the hot seat, shall I say. But Steph, you are a registered dietitian and nutritionist. You are the founder of the wonderful, beautiful practice called Womanly ND, which I think everyone should go check out. And you specialize in PCOS and endometriosis and fertility and all things food. But I thought we would, first of all, just a quick plug for all those who are interested in food like we are. I love food. <laughs> we should all know that by now. So once you jump off listening to us, both Steph and Fill Your Cup have some free downloads on each of our respective websites. Um, you can get a free postpartum-specific recipe guide on ours on our website, ifillyourcup.com. And Steph has a great e-guide free on her website, womanlynd.com, and that is all around anti- antioxidant food for PCOS and endometriosis. So... We know that, you know, both of those disorders are quite prevalent, particularly in the Australian community. So jump over to those websites and quickly download those. So Steph and I have been talking offline for a number of weeks now. This is not just an ad hoc live, nice. although we do love a chat because we're both yes. Maltese women. <laughs> and we both yes. love food because we're both Maltese women. Yeah. So <laughs> I guess I wanted to start with the why, Steph, you know, We obviously love food, we love to talk about food, we love to eat food, but when we break it down, food is our fuel for life. It fuels our body, it fuels our babies when they're growing, and it fuels our minds as well. And that is one of the things that I and all of the doulas here at Fill Your Cup are very, very passionate about. Food is our jam over here and we've curated a lot of our FYC mama menus around postpartum specific food. And the reason behind that is that we understand, research has shown, that food is not just important about repleting micronutrients and recovery and tissue regeneration and things like that after your pregnancy and birth, 
but it's all got to do with your mind as well. And that's something that we need to be conscious of. And that is why you and I have kind of got together and we're going to be talking today about those key micronutrients that women should be thinking about consuming during pregnancy. And we're not just going to be banging on about, oh, we need, you know, this recommended daily intake and things like that. That's not tangible. That's not exciting. (laughs) Let's talk about the food. Let's do some recipes on the fly. So if we start kind of getting a few key ingredients, let's think about some recipes that our mamas can make today, tomorrow, meal prep for later. We love a good fill your freezer concept. So today, what are we going to be talking about, Steph? We're going to be talking about five key nutrients. Five key nutrients, yeah, for pre- during pregnancy to help not only with pregnancy but also postpartum. And obviously during this time, you help the mamas are helping themselves, but they're really helping their growing baby. And not only for that time that the baby is growing, but actually for the rest of that baby's life, which is mm-hmm. pretty amazing. And there's so much potential to reduce risk of disease and illness and to promote kind of optimal health for the baby um, just through what the mum eats, you know, and particularly focusing on making these sort of nutrients. Obviously, we don't eat nutrients, we eat foods, and that's why we're talking about food today. But it's always great to eat food and get your nutrients through food rather than just supplements, whether that's during pregnancy, whether you're breastfeeding or it's postpartum. It, the complex that happens and that nutrient kind of interaction and then how, that, how that's impacted in the gut and, and in the stomach and how the food's absorbed, there's nothing like that. We can't, we can't replicate that. It's actually we don't even know too, that much. Like we do know stuff about it, but we don't know too much about it or, or the interaction that happen. And, and there's no way at the level that we can, you know, make or synthesize the, uh, the same reactions or the same way the nutrients are absorbed naturally in the, in the body really helps optimize as well the absorption of other nutrients it helps optimize the, the way our, the, the body functions even reducing especially during pregnancy a lot of IBS issues as well sometimes depending on the foods that we that we take constipation also how our bowels interact and, and uh, after pregnancy you know sometimes there can be a few complications there so food does impact that obviously there's other things sometimes you need physical therapies but it's all a bit of a puzzle so and like and obviously obviously food is also as we were saying Renee Maltese and all these but it, you know food is in all cultures really and it's a very social thing and it's something where we love and affection and we connect in that and during pregnancy and postpartum connection and community is so important it's not just for mum but really for the dad or for the partner and 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 everyone involved but that support network is so important and food is probably a very central part of the support network so providing healthy food during that time or or the food to quickly make or what are some kind of key ingredients that need to include in some recipes or yeah what can I make it in advance during these times or even in advance for pregnancy or or during lactation you know, getting first few weeks after having a baby and you're all kind of getting into your routine and learning everything, you know, even if it's not your first um, baby, as we all know, each baby is very different. So um, we have to, depending on the life stage that you're at and what's changed with this, with the second or third or fourth baby, the first. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I, I mean, I always joke in our prenatal sessions with our mummers that baby hugs are not for free. 
And <laughs> if someone wants a cuddle with the baby, then they're going to have to make a cup of tea or bring a meal over or fold some washing or things like that. And to me, it is around community focus. We're all about our FYC village. We bang on that <laughs> so much. But it is. Food is part of the community. And, you know, our mummers, whether you're, you know, trying to become pregnant or you are pregnant or you're in the postpartum with a newborn and toddlers in tow and things like that, food is going to fuel you and there is, I think, nothing better than sharing that food with your neighbour or your cousin or your sister or something like that. So this, I guess, chat is also for people who want to provide food for their village and think about, you know, what type of meals would be best because, you know, you can shove toast crumbs in your face and you'll still be fed. But really, come on, if you're going to have a meal, let's talk about how you can get more bang for your buck. All right. So straight off the bat, Steph, the big one that everyone talks about, folate. Oh, gosh, yes. Which is very (laughs) It's very very important, but I feel like there's a bit of controversy around this because I do want to touch on the fact that, you know, a lot of prenatal vitamins have a synthetic version, so the folic acid rather than the folate. Do you want to just briefly touch on that? And then let's go straight into the food and how we're going to get that. And I know that because I've written this down from my notes the other day when we were chatting because you blew my mind about this. I love anything to do with like cofactors, like things that need things to help to like work and you get this synergy forming and stuff like that. So let's touch on that part as well. Okay. So so as you were saying, Renee, absolutely correct. So there's folic acid and that's normally found in supplements um, and that's the synthetic form that we get through pills or we might get through added through cereals or fortified foods or even fortified milk alternatives, for example, or vegan products. And then there's folate, and folate is the where it comes from food and it's naturally through food. So foods like that um, are beef, legumes, grains, green leafy vegetables like broccoli, kale, spinach, these types of things, Brussels sprouts. They are all, the folate is from those types of foods. Now, folic acid and folate, then they are kind of not active forms that we that our body uses. We need to actually change them, and we use certain genes, uh, and it gets into the active form of what we know is folinic acid. Now, folinic acid is is what our body uses to make DNA to allow for synthesis. But without getting to the folinic acid active form. You can take as much folate off of folic acid as you like. It won't actually be used properly. So there are a couple of genes, the MH, MTHFR gene that is required to activate into folic acid. Now, there are there actually is quite a substantial percentage of population that this type of gene isn't active or doesn't work as well or there's a mutation basically. It can be up to between 40 to 50% of the population. But just because there's a mutation doesn't mean you need to actually do something about it. It depends on the – you need to have a test first. And then if – depending on the outcome of that, whether it's the type of gene and, and how, I suppose, bad it is, 
how bad the mutation is, you may or may not need to take an activated form or the full in That's something you need to kind of talk with your healthcare provider or dietitian or normally GP. It's not kind of an off-the-bat thing that you get, oh, I'm pregnant to have this. Normally it's maybe your folate is really low or you're not feeling that great. You've been supplementing for a while. So let's say normally, hopefully, which we, we try get some folic acid even before we're trying to get three months. And if you're still up three months, haven't got any higher in your folic acid blood test results, which is the best way to identify where you're at um, with your blood test, then there might be something different going on and that's where you might need to test. But there are specific people who may be at higher risk and they're normally people who may be at high body weight, smokers, um, have a lot of alcohol, there might be some malabsorption as well going on with different conditions. You might also have yourself had neural tube defect or isomer family because obviously folate is important for reducing our risk of, of neural tube defects. So they're, they're kind of like a bit of red flags to see and if you need, if you need that. There is supplementation that actually allows for activated folinic acid to, or methylated, we call it, uh, folate to be ingested, but sometimes that can cause a bit of problem. So you need to just be aware that you can tolerate it properly and it's not leading to other side effects basically, but it's important to get it tested if there are no changes in folate or if you have no injury. Okay. Um, as I said, and so yeah. you've, you've touched on a couple of, I guess, food groups that we could get the natural form of folate in. So, okay, tell me, what is that What is that thing that you told me the other day? What's the cofactor? And we're going to talk about this one anyway later, aren't we? Yes, yep. So B12. So I didn't, so B12 and folate work together. You do, it's rather than B12 needing it to make folate, B12 and folate actually work together to make other antioxidants and things like that. So if you don't have enough B12 as well, or you don't have folate, there will be other deficiencies that happen. And maybe, for example, it leads to high cysteine levels in the body, and that can lead to, can be a quite toxic and can lead to skin breakdowns and, and irritations and yeah, overall toxicity and other things so great. So so you want obviously enough B12 and you want enough folate and folic acid, but then you don't want too much either. But if anything in Australia, um, it's very rare to get too much, to be honest. And actually the government, the Australian government, same as the UK government, they recently did this, but the Australian government for a few years now have been supplementing flour-based products, so non-organic flour-based products with folic acid in the active form to help reduce the risk of neural tube, de- neural tube defects because we know that women, unfortunately, who are pregnant, there's a lot of misconception and misinformation and um, a lot of women are scared or don't know how to prepare food and they, women who are pregnant tend to not be meeting their vegetable requirements or meeting enough um, grains or eating, having the best diet that they can. It could be other things as well. Sometimes it could be um, time, it could be lack of education, it could be nausea, you know, if you're really sick, can't get out of bed, have no energy. So to help with basically get every bang for your buck, they have supplemented flour-based products, particularly breads and cereals with folic acid to find reducing the risk of, of neural tube defects, optimizing brain or, or even um, growth of the baby basically i i definitely so, consumed my weight's worth of vegemite in the first 
in the first trimester. Yeah, I, I think I joke on another podcast that I nearly became like the equivalent of a potato gem, but I equally packed <laughs> a lot of Vegemite toast because of the nausea. You are just yeah, like, nah, I'm not. No I'm way. Not so yeah. if we were to pair folate and B12 together and we're thinking foods, we're thinking recipes, what are the types of things that women could do today? Mm-hmm. So going back to something super easy, for example, or a sandwich, getting the folate through that, through the bread, and then if we're going to pair that with some green leafy veg, so whether that's some lettuce or some spinach, baby spinach, putting that in a sandwich, for example, or else we can put it with an, an eggs and another protein, some tomatoes, things like this. So we're getting the folate from the bread. The B12 normally comes from animal-based products. So we can either have either a sandwich with, again, eggs, some leftover cooked meat. Could I even have some tuna, and canned tuna is okay during pregnancy. Could also have like a like an open sandwich. So so one bread like ricotta, pomegranates, some mm. um, legumes and beans, because that's also a folate sauce. And if you're wanting to add some chicken, maybe leftover chicken on that, that you've kind of pre-cooked on that, that would be really, really good, or even some cheese or dairy as a top on that. The B12 will also come from the dairy dairy product as well. That's really interesting because I did go through a phase as well where all I wanted was like, and this was still, I think I might have just been at the end of the first trimester, start of the second, I was craving like white bread with like you know fresh white bread with chicken and lettuce sandwich like I think I ate it I think I ate one of those oh it would have to be two weeks in a row the local cafe in my work I would walk in and be like chicken sandwich I'm like like they just knew and isn't that that's another thing that I just love about our bodies and like if you think about it you know Listen to your body. Your body's telling you what it needs in that very moment, similar to how I think, you know, around the same time that, you know, there's a lot of bone production. (laughs) I was walking around the office with a one-litre tub of yoghurt just randomly. Like I just couldn't put it down. I was just like, yep, I'm eating all (laughs) of the yoghurt. I love it. Okay, so chicken lettuce sandwich or I'm also down for an egg and lettuce sandwich. I love those. Yeah, a quinoa salad with some greens in there. So good. Tofu as well if you want. Awesome too. If you're not into kind of, you know, animal-based products. Basil, fresh mint, for example, then tomato. Yeah, if you're into this, sardines. Sardines are lovely. They're also, we're not omega-3, but they're great pregnancy and postpartum but they also would be a b12 source too i love it or get yourself an instant pot and you can do it in three minutes yes this is correct i love my instant pot and this is hug but i love my instant pot all of our fyc doers have an instant pot because and they're just like oh my god rice in three minutes i was like yeah Okay, let's move on to the next one. So we've kind of, okay, so we've touched on B12, we've touched on folate, choline, while we're talking about eggs. This is a big one. Gosh. <laughs> yeah. So choline, I feel like, is just as important as folate iodine, but they just, just doesn't get the mention. It doesn't get the, it doesn't get the press. It doesn't get the publicity. It's like, 
it's like the oh the long lost cousin you know the like it's like oh. ugly but actually is actually quite beautiful and really required yes yeah, so choline, actually less than 1% of women in pregnancy get enough choline. Crazy. What? In Australia. Crazy, yeah. Crazy. Okay, um, listen up, ladies. Yeah, here yeah. we go. That's you know, crazy. the best amount that we need, yeah, 450 milligrams, yeah. I feel like um, we need so, to do like a press conference for choline, yeah. introduce her to the to the people, everyone. This is choline. <laughs> we need to become yeah. best friends with her. Okay, really do. everyone, yeah. get your pen and paper. Let's talk about choline, Steph. Go. Oh, so, so really, it's really quite important for brain development for the baby. It's where a lot of the nervous system and the brain is really developing. It really helps as well with reducing tube defects. It's going it works with folate. It's very much found in eggs. That's the, probably the most dominant form. Are we what going to talk we- about the controversy of eggs in pregnancy? Oh, yeah, I'm about to get I will I will just push my soapbox to the side and um, I'll let you jump on yours. <laughs> so, yeah, well, eggs, sorry, there's a helicopter in the hospitals here um, who can hear. The choline is, oh, sorry, you can get 65% of your recommended intake through one egg. Now, there's a lot of contributions, like, well, eggs get a bad press anyway. It doesn't matter if a woman's pregnant or not. You know, for men and women, they, they get the, the hard wrap, same as like potatoes. But I can't stress this enough to women and partners or supporting people. Eggs are like the fertility bundle of life. Like, you cannot get a more nutrient-dense food item Please include this in your everyday or most days during pregnancy or if you, you know, conceive or during postpartum. It is good to get a egg that is well cooked. What does that mean? You know, it's good to fry it or um, boil. Basically, you know that it's cooked. If the white bit is hard or has solidified and the yolk is thick. Now, choline, with many of the nutrients found in eggs are found in the yolk so don't worry about removing or separating the yolk and the egg white the yolk that's where all the yummy stuff and, and good stuff is so that it is thicker and once it is the yolk is thicker you know that it's okay for pregnancy it's actually a much higher risk of getting sick or some or some bacteria from non-washed uh, vegetables yes from, from eggs Cut fruit salad that you're buying from, you know, your local supermarket or whatever. That's more, that is more likely to have salmonella, listeria, all those nasties on it than a, you know, a well-sourced free-range egg. That's another one, free-range. It's important. It's, I mean, we all have our limits and whatever you can get, but free-range, if you can get it, has much higher nutrient content. And a lower um, risk of bacterial contamination compared to um, cakes, basically. So if you could get that, that would be great. Same yeah. thing with getting B12 or even there's some choline in red meat or any animal products. If they're grass-fed or free-range, better to get that if you can rather than being caged or um, being um, Brains, things like that. Yeah. And, yeah. and I feel like, you know, this is another kind of, thing that we recommend for our mamas you know with meal prepping and stuff it's 
If someone comes over to your house and they're having a chat to you, get them to throw some eggs in a saucepan, boil up some eggs, get them to shell them, put them in or not shell them, however you want to do it, put them in the fridge, best one-handed snack. Yes, direct, so direct from yes. nature. It's like exactly. the equivalent of the banana for children. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Nature made it for us. And we can store, it's recommended to store boiled eggs in the fridge for three days so you don't have to have it immediately. It's okay. You can pre-cook them. And interestingly, just so you know, women and men, people who have had choline, adequate sources of choline from mothers, who were having adequate amounts in their diet, actually you can see there is adequate brain development and specific ways of the hippocampus was developed, which is the memory centre of our brain, make it quite distinctive in people who have had enough choline during their development compared to people who haven't, who, who weren't exposed to enough. Wow. So it's yes. a snowball effect. Yes. Yep. That you can still see effects from when a person's at the towards the end of their life. Yes, yep. yo eggs, ladies. Yes. <laughs> you can also get them again through animal-based products. Obviously, yes. if you're um, if you are vegan, it's recommended to supplement. Actually, most sub- you need to look into a lot of supplements don't have choline in them, or if they do, it's pretty low amount. So you just need to like look into that and, and talk to your dietitian or GP you're kind of working with to make sure that you're getting what you need to get i love it i love it there's the wrap up there okay we've got two more to go mm-hmm. vitamin a let's talk about vitamin a another one that gets a bad rap we're gonna yeah. end, we're gonna end on a high which is one of my yes. favorite ones so it's okay everyone it's not vitamin all a. controversy yeah. um, <laughs> it's not all clickbait and controversy yeah. here okay I mean, talk to me about vitamin a steph because yeah. It does get a very, very bad rap. I don't think it's warranted. What did it ever do to us? You know, I mean, it's very important. It's, it is very important. It, it, it's, it's very important to have enough. So it, but the, I feel like some of the scare tactics, because I feel like that's what it is, it's like the people are telling us this because it's almost like people were like guzzling vitamin A yeah. all the time. Like I was like... Who's, who's, who is having all of this vitamin A? I, yes. I just don't even know. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so it, look, I can see where they're coming from where it's important during pregnancy to, to not have too much vitamin A. That is because, you know, we don't want to go too much of it because vitamin A is fat-soluble vitamins. Unlike B12, for example, where it's a water-soluble vitamin so every day or else it gets excreted. Fat-soluble means it is big, it builds up over time body it's it's it stores there right so too high of intake of vitamin a will lead to toxicity effects but the um upper limit is for an everyday upper limit so you know you might have you might go out on the upper limit one day but if it if you're not having vitamin a or things across the day it's not in your normal diet it's okay now vitamin a comes in two different uh forms so there's retinol which is more like the active form and retinol is found in animal-based products, including liver. So that's where vitamin, I think of vitamin A negative and liver. That, that that's where I think. And you just think, you just see, don't have liver during pregnancy because it's really high in vitamin A. And um, the regulations are really different according to the country stance. And I suppose maybe how much 
manage they are or how much they effort they want to put into it. Some countries say just don't have any liver, don't have anything, don't do it, don't go there, don't have any supplements. And generally, if you're having a good diet, you don't need supplements. But what I would recommend, depending on a woman's requirements for vitamin A, where she with the rest of her you know, diet's like, or maybe women like to have offal or liver because uh, liver is also high in iron. But vitamin A is very potent and from a retinal sort of active form of liver. What we do know is that if you choose to have liver, or we have no more than 70 grams twice a month, no more than that if you if you do enjoy it and that's fine to have it. But make sure that you have it cooked. The best way to have it really is chicken liver and it must be cooked through other forms or animals of, of too much or that it's cooked through bacteria is too high or it's the vitamin A content is, is higher than that. So, also, so you can have some pate on toast. I mean, that's fully well, cooked. Well, pate generally, so that was my next thing. I wouldn't recommend having pate because pate generally isn't cooked, depending. Oh. Sometimes it cannot be cooked well through. So sometimes there is like a, it depends. It depends on how it's made, but sometimes it's not cooked through. So you need to be careful there. You know. DIY your pate. Yeah, yeah. It just depends. You know, normally if it's you know commercial, is it cooked? Is it cooked well? Where is it coming from? If it's cooked well, if the sauce is cooked well, then it's fine. But I think that's why they make a big fuss of it, or some people just say don't go there because it's you need more attention to the detail if that makes gotcha. sense. And it can be a bit harder to make sure that you're getting you're getting what you need. But but vitamin A is needed during pregnancy. It's important for skin development, uh, reducing risk of skin conditions even for the baby, for eye development, brain health, these these types of things. So there's retinol, as I said, animal-based products, and then there's beta-carotene, and that's the precursor to retinol, and that's what you find normally in fruit and vegetables. And that's that's quite high in fruit and veggies that have that orange tinge already. So if you think about orange capsicum, carrots, egg yolk, you know, it's orange got the vitamin A in it, um, or retinol really because it's an animal. Yeah. So, so vitamin A isn't all that bad. We do need it. <laughs> in ways, you just, you know, it's not bad. To, you shouldn't shy away from vitamin A. And really a big thing is please, please do eat your veggies. Just, just have them fresh, wash them, um, include fish in your diet, include meat, you are meat eating in your diet and just just a different variety of vegetables. A lot of pregnant women are eating what they require supplements, which kind of I think a main message here is that supplements are fine. Food is so much better and so much better absorbed. Um, so so and and the thing is like nature has kind of they know you know the mix and match the synergy that's required and that's why in specific you know fruits vegetables animal mm-hmm. products that's why they're together yes. you know you can't you know redo that as well mm-hmm. in synthetic versions and i think that's a really good point that you make too steph the fact that women are going into <clears throat> postpartum depleted they just depleted. Are. The majority of women mm-hmm. go into postpartum depleted and the thing is if we can assist and empower and educate women yeah. during this process of pregnancy, because I feel like this is where a lot of people go, oh, you know, I've got to <clears throat> eat well for myself and the baby. And then as soon as the baby comes out, 
all bets are off. And there's yeah. a few factors around that. Yeah. Like deprivation. You've yeah. got another, you know, the child is, you know, out of the oven, so to speak. Yeah. And so yeah. you've got to look out to them. And, yeah. yeah. And it's just like arguably it is more important to look after yourself postpartum um, because there are those, you know, additional factors going on. And so if you can get those stores up now during pregnancy, the less kind of work you have to do in the postpartum. Yes. All right, yes. we're gonna we are going to finish up with my favorite. <laughs> I've always been fascinated with iron. I think because being a complete and utter science nerd, I'm obsessed with the concept of like the hemoglobin and the oxygen coming together. I still remember to this day in I think was it biology in year 11 or 12 we had to <laughs> can't believe I'm sharing this we uh <laughs> we had to build a model of something in the human body okay. and I was already obsessed with iron and, and that kind of stuff already and so what I did was I got a PVC pipe and I sawed it in half and I made that the blood vessel awesome. and I um and I got dried apricots and like painted them red to represent red blood cells and I had them like coming through the the pipe the vein and everything like this and and I I, I'm just obsessed I'm just absolutely obsessed with iron and for me it's it's one of the most I think most important things for our mamas when we go in and do our in-home visits particularly those who have experienced a lot of blood loss hemorrhaging and things like that and we curate all of our menus around our mama individually and so you know one of the first things that's on the menu for our mamas who are in that kind of category are the slow cooked meats really high and rich we've got a beautiful sweet potato cottage pie that has liver in it you can't taste it you can't smell it but it's <laughs> got all the good stuff in so so good so so good for them so let's talk about iron let's game plan some recipes as well other than our sweet potato cottage pie but mamas can do that at home as well get your butcher this is what we do so we get our butcher to make up a mince, so it's 80% grass-fed beef and 20% grass-fed beef liver and they mince it all together and you cannot, you can't, as I said, can't smell it, can't taste it, nothing. And then you cook that as your mince and you could have that as like your bolognese. We do it in our sweet um, potato cottage pie. Like it is just dynamite. Kids can't even tell that it says liver in there. My daughter has eaten so many times and she's like oh mom this is so good and I'm like I know (laughs) (laughs) so okay let's talk about iron and it's got a it's got a very important partner as well that helps with absorption so let's Um, let's talk about that and game plan some recipes yes so I'm sure all the mothers know but our iron requirements skyrocket during pregnancy as soon as we fall pregnant that that kind of Conception, second, uh, uh, iron uh, requirements increase dramatically. So we go from 18 milligrams to 27. And a lot of women, if it's in a pregnancy, don't even know that we're pregnant, you know. So a lot of women 
uh, have some kind of iron deficiency well, obviously for different reasons. So it's kind of common to come into pregnancy lower in iron, so it's even more important to get iron in the diet. And then our iron requirements become even more and more important as we go through pregnancy because obviously uh, the brain, the, 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 the brain, I keep on saying the brain, the body's developing, there's more body uh, blood around the body that needs to be circulated, you know, as the placenta grows, then the baby grows. The blood volume grows, so leaving more hemoglobin, are transported, so nutrients also go around. So it becomes even more and more important as pregnancy goes on. Now, iron, there's two different forms. There's heme and non-heme. So heme iron is found in animal-based products. So again, egg, dairy, or red meat, chicken, fish, these types of things. Um, in terms of highest content, though, it's really high in red meat, including liver. But the redder, the better, basically. So if you think Beef, for example, is, has, will be higher than chicken because chicken is a bit more white, you know. Mm-hmm. But very that, that's the heme com- uh, component of iron makes it really bioavailable for the body to absorb and so it makes it easier for us to, to kind of get quickly into the bloodstream. Then there's non-heme and that's from the vegetable-based or plant-based foods. Again, good that we get them, we need them. So particularly high in green leafy vegetables or beans and legumes, you know, like hippie beans, chickpeas, leany beans, red lentils, brown lentils, these sorts of things. But they are not as bioavailable. So you could, yes, on social, you know, if you see people speak or on, on social media say, oh, you can just have all this spinach. Um, a bucket of spinach. <laughs> yeah, but you see a lot. I see a lot of spinach there, a lot of plant-based foods. So if you have... If you can have meat, definitely have meat about at least three times a week, but, you know, 150 grams or so to get your requirements, sometimes even then and then supplementing that with other plant-based foods across the day and across the week that have iron in them. Um, and also coupling that, including, for example, you know, let's say salads, if you have spinach or any other green leaf vegetables and you're adding, for example, beans and legumes into your salad, you know, to add even more iron or rather than mashed potato, which mashed potato is really good and fine and really wonderful because it's a vitamin C source, but you can also have cannellini beans or mashed kidney beans on the side if you like. But as you said, Renee, the important vitamin that we need is vitamin C because it helps with iron absorption. So you could do that by having, we think, you know, vitamin C, orange or citrus, for example, half a cup of that with some with, with your steak or with any meat or, or with any Salads that you're having that have, uh, you know, like beans or legumes or, or grains or or green leafy vegetables, or you can get also vitamin C from carrots. You know, again, the orange, the orange veggies. You can add some some lemon or orange juice as a dressing to salads or on top of meat as well. You can also get vitamin C is really high in potatoes, so you can make that mashed potato or have some roasted potato with your meat, and that'll help with iron absorption. So coupling vitamin C and iron is really important. One thing to also think about is what inhibits iron absorption are tannins. So they're normally found in tea and coffee, particularly iron teas. So try not to have them within at least half an hour of having an iron source. So if you're going to have tea or if you That's enjoy interesting. Tea, I didn't know that. Yeah, have it within at least 30 minutes before or after having whatever the iron source you're having because it will inhibit it. Yeah. So with so okay, so just touching on that, and I think 
we were discussing the other day, you know, when we're talking about pairing these particular, you know, food groups with one another to get our bang for our buck, is it in most cases the concept is to have them on the same plate and therefore they'll be consumed together in the same meal or is it sufficient enough to just have them in the same day? or half of the day, how, how does it work? How, what's the best kind of scenario? Mm, it would be best to have it in the same meal. I say vitamin C in this diet, best to have it in the same meal. Com- coming from every person's digestive system is a little bit different. Once we eat it, it all goes into the stomach and it all kind of gets, you know, mixed around with the acid and, 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 and squished around and, and, and digests um, together. Normally, there's, there's been up to half an hour to three-hour window of things being digested together. So if you have it around maximum three hours with a three-hour window, it'll help. But it's recommended to have it within 30 minutes. That's why having it in the same meal is best. Um, and when you don't want to kind of mix it around, which at least 30 minutes to three hours is, is what's recommended. All right, then. I think I'm going to wrap up. So as a bit of a takeaway, so we've got... I reckon our folate with our B12 has mm-hmm. to be they work our together. couple. Mm-hmm. So, you know, folate, we're getting things from green leafy vegetables. We're getting them from fortified cereals. If Grains. we pair them with B12, we're thinking about chicken or red chicken, eggs, or, yeah, to our salad or something yeah. like that. Or a vegetarian or um, vegan sauce could be nutritional yeast as well with B12. Ah, uh, yes, yes, of course. Mushrooms, mushrooms as well. Yeah. Are they high in B12? Yeah. Not as high. Okay, right. Then we've got our good friends, Colleen, yes. which I just think we're going to have to pump her up a bit more. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Again, just sorry. egg. Eggs, 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 eggs. Eggs and eggs. Vitamin A, so you know, be careful with your pate, you know, and then once bubs is out, you know, hit the vitamin A, hit the pate yeah. hard, people. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. That's, that's what we, that's what we recommend. Exactly. Um, and I, you know, if, if you're breastfeeding, like, as you say, that's got a flow on effect to your bubs in terms of brain and neural development. So yeah. I, that's a, I, that's a fascinating thing that like, you know, the snowball effect from that Mm -hmm. is great. Mm -hmm. And then we put our iron and um, it's beautiful couple with vitamin C. So as we say, pair your meat with veggies if if that's your jam. Roasted, they can be fresh, they can be boiled or steamed. Boiling, though, does leach out nutrients from from them. So it's really you can roast them. I'm all for throw everything on a tray and chuck it in the oven. Yes. <laughs> it's a really good method to just get some other things done around the house as a mother. So, yeah, all for a for a tray dinner. Well, Steph, that has been very informative. Thank you so much for joining us. If anyone's got any questions, feel free to DM us. As I said, we've both got some free recipes on our respective websites, ifillyourcup.com and also womanlynd.com for Steph. Again, we know it's not going to be the last time we chat. We're 
too big a lovers of food and, and looking after our mamas. Thank you. And for all those playing at home, Steph, is an amazing nutritionist taking some consults if you require assistance with fertility, with PCOS, with endometriosis, um, and all things, all things womanly, which... Yeah, in the name. It's in the name, people. (laughs) She's a clever girl. All right then, darling. Take care. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for me. We'll chat soon. Bye. Bye. If you loved this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a review. If you know someone out there who would also love to listen to this episode, please hit the share button so they can benefit from it as well. Thank you for listening to The Science of Motherhood. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Science of Motherhood. If you would like to contact us, we are at ifillyourcup.com or you can DM us at ifillyourcup underscore via Instagram. You can find all of our services including our postpartum in-home care and our fill your freezer meal delivery service as well through both those channels. Thanks so much for listening.